This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. I had my church prayed at every opportunity. We got together, we prayed, we prayed. I had a great big banner made. And I, I, I was thinking about that this morning. I was telling Katie, I'm sitting up in this seat this morning. We was talking about that. Can you guys see this carpet line right here? See this wall right here? This first wall right here, how wide that is? Our church was about that wide. And I looked at the length of it from that wall right there to the end of the altar here, probably that's how long it was. And you know, Pastor Dave said people stop saying this is church. Well, why did they say that? Because it was a video shop. And we got it. And then we made it into a church. And anyway, it was a storefront place in downtown Martinsville, Indiana. That's how wide it was. And the building was over a hundred years old. And I remember I made a little word about stairs in my office. And the first time that I was up in my office praying, I looked up, there's a shelf there. I saw a naked man and a woman on a video looking at what I was praying. I said, wow, I had to clean the stuff out to have church there because it was a video shop. Then we got it out of there. And so we determined, we determined that we were going to have Holy Ghost revival in our church. Like I said, God didn't tell me that. I just wanted that in my heart. God always wants to do something. Somebody will ask him. You know, he wants you to ask him. You have not because you ask not. And so we had a banner made and people come in the door like that. And we had, we didn't even have a stage, it was just an old cement floor thing. And so right, right about this far inside the doors where our musical instruments was, because behind that, we had a little place where we'd have Sunday school stuff right there, cause, you know, it was just a little old place. But, uh, even on our one year anniversary, we had a hundred people in there. So out of a town of 12,000 people, that was a pretty good crowd in a little place like that. When you had a little crowd like that, 12,000 people total, and most of them live out in the cornfields. So anyway, we did pretty, God did pretty good, but we was obedient. So we had a sign made. Great big banner up there said, Welcome Holy Ghost. And had all of our bulletins, Welcome Holy Ghost. And we prayed, Holy Ghost, you're welcome here. You can have your way here, Holy Ghost. So we prayed that evangelists came, and uh, they stayed a week or two. But then when they left, man, there's such a move going. I said, man, we don't want this to stop. Holy Ghost, you're still welcome here. We want to go. And so this thing just went and went and went. So what I'm saying is this. We didn't wait on God tell us to have revival. We wanted revival. Because we wanted revival, we prayed for revival. We believed for revival. And I told you before, the men of the church, the men of the church, where they got off their jobs at Indianapolis and other places, they would come down with me when they got off work. They'd come to my office where they had supper or anything. We'd go up to my office and we would pray. And we would pray in the Holy Ghost. We would pray. And we told the Lord, we're serious, Lord. We want this. We want you here. And when we prayed, the glory of God came in, and things really did happen. Had two traffic lights there at the town on the main street there. And one of this end of the courthouse square. Our church was right towards this end of the square. We had another traffic light there. And people would stop at that light there. And like I said, you wouldn't know that was a church, really, because it's just a little old glass front storefront thing, all these places there. And so people stopped there. Next thing you know, they'd park their cars where they find a place there, and they come walking through the door and get slain in the spirit. Really did happen. Had people come in there, and they come in there with obvious things like back, bad backs and stuff like that, and they'd walk in there and cry and said, I stepped through the door there, my pain left, I got healed. And that just happened for 63 days, over and over and over and over again. And I'm telling you, for this church right here, God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of hunger. He's a respecter of faith. He's a respecter of people that want to help people. And if we in this church will just, you know, faith doesn't work by feelings. 
Faith works by what you believe in your heart, what you say about what you desire in life with the Word of God. And if we desire revival, if we desire God to move, God's going to move. And so it's going to take us, though. That started the thing of prayer a while ago. The Lord gave me that scripture of Ephesians 5, Awake thou that sleepest. And so we, first of all, when I was at the altar praying, not at our prayer meeting, that's what the Lord told me. He said, for the Americans to awake, the church has got to awake first. We've got to decide, in spite of the technical age we live, if all the iPhones and the droids and all the video games, all the playthings, all the Facebook. I don't know about you, I didn't make a conscious effort to get off of Facebook. For about a month I've been off of Facebook. I thought, man, what a waste. And I didn't, I didn't make a commitment. Say, Lord, I'm going to get off of Facebook. I just got tired of it. And so, every so often, I'll just pop it on there and see if there's anything about my church only. That's all I look at. I just look down there. If I don't see High Desert Word Center people or posts that our church puts on there, I just shut it off real quick because I don't have time to get sidetracked anymore. I want it. I want it. I want it. I want it. I want to see God move like I saw him move before. I want to see sinners get saved. I want to see backsliders get right with God. I want to see people that do have serious illnesses get healed. I want to see those. I've experienced those over and over and over again. Cannot tell you how many blind people laid my hands on and they got healed. Can't tell you how many cancers I've laid hands on them and they got healed. Or how many deaf people and all that. I've, I've walked in all that. Somebody talking about the leg growing the other day. I can't tell you how many legs I've seen grow out of my altar when I got them up there and did the feeling. We've seen those things over and over. And it's time. It's time to get it again. It's time to get it again. And so we ourselves as a church, we must determine. We must determine as a church, I'm waking up. There's more important things to me than ball games. More important things to me than television. More important things to me than playing games. There's still time to have R&R time and do all those kind of things. But just come in. Come in, come in, come in. Your very presence coming in the door brings anointing in the door. And the more God's people come together in faith, the more anointing they bring in. And I know that next Sunday, if we do what we're supposed to be doing, I know God is eager for it to happen. God is eager for it to happen. God's the one. You know, I was thinking, thinking about the haircut boy. Where's he at? Right there. Haircut boy. Amen. I was thinking about Henry and the hair. You know, God knows the number of every hair on his head. And if God cares that much that a young man could pray for a haircut, if God answers that prayer, then what's God going to answer when you talk about, I want to bring this guy my job in here, Lord. Lord, get this guy. I'm going to talk to him, Lord, but you've got to get him in here. Lord, I want my aunt, my uncle, my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my cousin. Lord, I want my mean scoundrel neighbor to come in. I'm going to invite my neighbor to come in, Lord. If God answers haircut prayers, is God going to answer those prayers? You know what God needs? God just needs, like that Isaiah 6-8 scripture we used in Mission this morning. Pastor Dave talked about it. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Send me. I want to get this stuff here, but I remember another story right now. I'll tell you this. I mean, like these stories sometimes. I was a truck driver for a lot of years. I'll never forget this one customer I had downtown Indianapolis at L.S. Ayers. That was part of the biggest department store at that time back in Indiana. L.S. Ayers. I mean, they've been around since the 1900s. This was 1970s. So anyway, I pulled this. I got deliveries this big downtown Indianapolis department store about three or four times a week. And man, this mean little blankety 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 blank. Man, it almost came out of tech about it. I don't talk that way anymore. This mean little guy came out every day. It was the same thing every day. Good morning, man. I got your stuff. And he cussed me out. And I do my usual, well, hallelujah, praise the Lord, you don't like that. And he cussed me out. 
And man, I tell you what, I got tired of this finally. And I thought, Lord, that little old mean guy is that way because he's tormented in life and he needs help. I said, Jesus, today is his day. If he starts cussing today, I'm going to start preaching. More than the usual. God bless you. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. They'd cuss me out and stupid stuff. So hold up there in my little truck downtown. They had to open my door. And when I opened my door, I already I bound the devil in the name of Jesus. Satan, I bind you. I'm not going to use that guy today. Lord, I claim his salvation. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for et cetera, et cetera. And so today, though, I got to my point of no return. And so pulled up there. Open my door. Here comes a little weasel. Come out there. Here comes the mouth. I had about a half a dozen cartons of clothing for him. So he got a little cart behind my truck there. Does the cussing. I gave him the stuff. Got my freight bill signed. And I grabbed his hand. And I wouldn't let him get away from it. I said, I said, why are you always cussing me? Hell, what did I ever do to you? And I said, why are you so mean? <laughs> I mean, I just unloaded love on him. I said, I said, why are you like that? And he goes, I didn't know I was. And I said, you're the meanest guy I've got on my route. <laughs> and so he tries to start walking away. And so I grabbed my door down and I got out. And he goes running into the building. And they got these great big wooden freight elevators. Anybody ever see these old pastors? What? And so and he's running away from it. And I preach and run through there and all these people inside the storeroom are watching. And so he jumped on the freight elevator and tried to pull the little gates to go like that close. I jumped on the elevator with him. And I preach it to him as he's going up to the next floor, wherever he's going. And I preached to him. And I said, I said, Jesus loves you. He doesn't want you to be mean to people anymore. He loves you. He wants to help you. And the guy said, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. And I said, you do it every day. <laughs> and I said, Jesus wants to help you. And I, I preached He said, my dad was a Pentecostal preacher. He said, I used to be a Christian. And the guy goes, carry it on. And so I said, I'm going to break the power of the devil over you today. I'm going to pray for you. And I prayed for the guy. And I never had a close personal relationship with him. But let's put it this way. He never cussed me again. And so I don't know. I don't know what all his personal life was like because it was very cordial after that. Good morning. Good morning. It was good to see you. All that kind of stuff. But what I'm saying is this. These mean people you see out there, the meaner they are, that means the more miserable they are. Amen. I want to tell you one more story from downtown Indianapolis. So I want to get back up here with this would be good. Uh, you need to hear some of these things. You're out there. I'm not out there anymore like you're out there. A lot of you are out there around these guys every day. I remember with this one place this one day. I just remember the guy's name. His name was Bob Yall. That we really started working on this guy. Pulled up this place downtown Indianapolis. And this guy come out there. And this for all the piercings and tattoos and stuff got popular. They went around out there. So it was a rarity to see somebody that had piercings and tattoos back in those days. Guy comes out there, man, he's got the rings and the noses and the, excuse me. He's got, he's got all the stuff. And he's got a great big satanic skull ugly thing with red devil eyes on it hanging around his neck, a big old chain and stuff like that. And the guy's totally goofy, tries to terrorize people. And so, man, I saw that guy, I thought, no way, Jose. Excuse me, Jose. <laughs> and so, this guy, it's absolutely, you can tell that the guy strikes terror in the eyes of people just by how he looks. 
But God didn't give me the spirit of fear, part of love and a sound mind. I'm called to help devil worshipers. I, you know, by the way, side note, sidebar. I saw on Facebook yesterday, you know, this, I glanced at it, saw this stupid stuff. Or actually it was on Twitter. I looked at the Twitter thing. And I saw something about some goofy, dumb witches trying to put some kind of curse on our president. And, you know, Christians getting upset about it. Hey, the devil and witches are no match for the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus. Hey, man, I just laughed at it. I thought, thank you, Lord, that our president is blessed, covered by the blood of Jesus. Witches are not Lord over America. Jesus Christ is. Christians get too upset about too many stupid things. We've got power over all the power of the enemy. Our prayers far outweigh any curses, any stupid seed witches are going to put on somebody. Amen. I remember one time I chased a witch onto a bus bus and preached to her and went up the road. Oh, well, that's another story. Down in Houston, Texas, I saw a witch, modified witch. I jumped on the bus preaching to her about boys. That woman scared of me. Man, she put a curse on me. But anyway, anyway, back, back, back to the Bob Yall story. So this guy's just all totally goofed up. And man, and I, so I asked, I said, what's that thing on your neck? He had this great big ugly thing on a chain, you know, like that. Big ugly red fiery eyes. <clears throat> demon looking stuff like that. And he said, I'm a Satan worshiper. And I said, well, I'm a Jesus worshiper. And so I started preaching to him. So the guy tells me he's got this really, really, really bad sickness. He's a young guy, too, in his 20s. He's got stomach ulcers so bad that, like, all he could drink is something like goat's milk or something. He couldn't hold down. His stomach is totally messed up. That's what the devil does for people. Anyway, long story short, broke the power of the devil over him. God would pray a prayer of salvation. And then me and Mrs. Pastor took him and his girlfriend under our wing for a season and got him on the right road. But the thing I'm saying is this. What would have happened if I would have looked at that guy and said, oh, I don't want to touch him. Oh, this, 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 this guy's ferocious. All I saw, Leanne hit on it a while ago, I saw through the eyes of Jesus, this man's tormented. That little old weasel downtown L.S. Ayers, this man's tormented. That witch I chased on the, got jumped on the bus with. I don't ride buses, but I did that day. Jumped on the bus and preached this lady going down the road. She was tormented. People need Jesus. Christians must know that greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. All we've got to do is open up our mouth. And the Lord showed me something years ago about how this works in the Spirit. You remember in our study of the book of Acts. Well, it's probably something pretty good I was going to start off with up here, but I think this is probably all right. Do you remember in the book of Acts, I told you there's three keys in our study of the book of Acts. Number one, notice all the times they spoke in the name of Jesus. All the time they preached in the name of Jesus. Everything they did was in the name of Jesus. And in addition to that, they were filled with the Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They prayed in tongues. And then in addition to that, they always exalted the Word of God. And you know, as I'm going through that the book of Acts again, I've said, no, did they, did they quote the Word of God? But all the time I'm seeing now, whatever those believers were talking, they use phrases like this. Well, the prophets said. The Psalms said. The judges said. They keep on telling what the Old Testament said. They said, they said, they said what the Word of God says. So they did those things. And so the Lord showed me this years ago. I, I used before I, before I got went to work when I was single. I'd go around the uh, 
hobo areas of the state park. I don't call people hobos anymore, do they? Street people. Changes, times, words change over the years. We called them hobos back then. Anyway, I would go to the parks right in Indianapolis just to pray for people, bless people, minister people before I went to work because those people out there, they were hurting. But the Lord showed me this in street ministry especially. said, when you speak the name of Jesus, it paralyzes the enemy. And then he showed me stuff that I'd seen on TV one time. Everybody ever seen those animal shows where they where they give the dart to these animals, a great big old hippopotamus or an elephant or whatever it is, they fall over. Then they can tag them and do something, you know, to help or to give them medication or treat something. And then the tranquilizer wears off. They get up and they go up about this. He said, he said, well, we speak to a, to a non-believer or to a demon-possessed person. He said, we got to quickly, as soon as we can, get the name of Jesus out of our lips. He said, as soon as the name of Jesus comes out, that paralyzes the enemy. And then those people listen to us. Amen. And so I'm telling you, it's going to take more in talking to these people that God loves you, God bless you. You got to start getting some Jesus Christ out of your lips. You got to start doing something. Hey, I want to talk to you about Jesus. He loves you. And when you get that Jesus out there, the enemy gets frozen. They start stuttering. Well, I remember this one, another goofy guy in the downtown run. The Lord, there's so many things that I learned in my everyday ministry in that truck there. I considered my truck my ministry. I was in training for doing what I'm doing now. That was my ministry. And when I got a paycheck, I didn't call it a paycheck. I called it my offering. Because I was out there serving God. I was ministering. I called my paycheck my offering for ministry. I called my semi-trailer my chapel on wheels. And I called that. That's my church. If they stepped to my church, they were mine. Amen. Amen. And so I did that. But anyway, in, in, in ministering to people, you speak the name of Jesus. If you speak the name of Jesus, it paralyzes the enemy. And then the hearts begin to open up. But I remember so many, so many cases out there of these people that when I spoke the name of Jesus, everything ended. That was the beginning of their new walk with God because we took care of the devil. This one guy, I remember I couldn't witness to him. He was a young guy. Because every time I got around him, man, it was horrible and miserable. Yakety, 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 yak. Yakety, yakety, yak. Man, the God talked about everything under the sun. And I couldn't get a word in edgewise, hardly even told him, you know, sign my freight bill so I can get out of here, man. You talk too much. Because the guy yakety, yakety, yak. So I come in there one day, man. I thought, man, I got to be able to get through to this guy. And in the midst of his yakking, he says, I got the gift of gab. When he said that, I said, okay, I know what to do now. I know how to pray now. And so every time I'd pull in there, then I'd say, gift of gab, spirit, I bind you in Jesus' name. You gift of gab. And the guy shut up to where I could start preaching to him then. So I've learned over the years when I get around people that I want to witness to, they just, they get so nervous. And what it is, it's the devil in and knows what you got. And they want to out-talk you because the devil knows that if they shut up long enough, you're going to get something into them. So when I get around the gift of gabbers now, I say, I buy that gift of gab spirit in Jesus' name, and I'm going to be able to talk to this person. Hey, man. Hey, man. Exhortation for what we're doing exhortation of what we're doing. God wants us to start being bold with our faith. Amen, amen, amen. But but there's something I want to help you with tonight that the Lord put on my heart when I walked in the door and talked to a man named Jesse Montenegro. How many know anointed Jesse Montenegro? Amen, very anointed. I want you to look at John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Because how many know that you have to be helped if you're going to help somebody else? Amen. And so, 
I will try to go just the right amount of time because I know this wasn't necessarily planned out anything I said then or what we're doing now. Because Sunday nights we're leaving open for the Holy Ghost to, you know, show up and do what He wants to do. But the Word of God is so important. Got to have that at the top of our list for what we do. John eight thirty one and 32 says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, If you continue in My Word, then you're My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. If you continue in my word, you know the truth. Hold your place and look at John 17, verse 17. John 17, verse 17. Jesus said, sanctify them, or set them apart through thy truth. Thy word is what? Thy word is truth. He said the word of God is the truth. Now look at John eight thirty one and 32 again. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So paraphrase what he said is this. My word's the truth. And you know my word you know the truth. And the word that you know, that's the word that will make you free. The word that you know, that's the word that will make you free. He said, my word is the truth. Now let me tell you something, how this works in the spiritual, in the natural world. How many here, you already know in your heart, this is not a set up question, it's just locating you. How many here have the revelation there's a spiritual world and there's a physical world? And that our physical body is temporal. That if the rapture doesn't come first, every physical body here at some point in time will lay down. It'll be buried, it'll be burned up and cremated, but it won't, it'll stay here on earth and your spirit will come out. Your spirit's eternal and your spirit will go to heaven. And so Jesus only lives in your body because your spirit is currently housed in your body. Jesus lives in your spirit, which is your spiritual heart, the center of your spirit. Jesus lives there. And so Jesus lives in you. And you live in your body. One day your body dies, but your spirit goes on. But your body dies. And so your body's in the physical world. And, you know, Jesus talks sometimes that things like, you know, uh, heaven and earth pass away. He said just like the grass withers and dies, man dies, and things like that. But spiritual things for eternal. Okay, physical things, natural things, when something's diagnosed on your physical body, that's not the truth, that's a fact. It's a medical fact. If you're diagnosed with something serious, that's a fact that Jesus said his word's the truth. And he said, when you know the truth, the truth will change the facts. You've got to know the facts, what they are, if you're going to change them. But you don't live by the facts. You're supposed to live by the truth. Now, I want you to notice something else Jesus said. There. Look, look, look at your eyes. I can quote it. I want you to look at your eyes. This said Jesus to those Jews that believed on him. Well, there's a whole crowd there, but all of them didn't believe on him. And so, like tonight, I don't really know everybody here well, but I know that some of you have received me as pastor. Some of you see me as brother or a fellow Christian. And I am a brother. I am a fellow Christian. But God's the one 
that set pastors and teachers in the church for the edifying of the body of Christ to build up Christians. And so the ones that received me from as pastor receive what I have on a higher level than the ones that just see me as fellow brother. Well, Jesus, some of them saw Jesus as a great prophet. Some saw Jesus as a really good guy that came on the scene, but some of those Jews saw him as Messiah. They saw him as the Messiah. And so he said to those Jews which believed on him, so the ones that believed on him received what he said to a higher level. You see what I'm saying? And so Jesus told them which believed on him, if you continue my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Well, disciple means a student. Other meanings too, but the main thing is, in the context he was talking, he said, if you believe on me, if I'm your teacher, if I'm your Messiah, he said, then you're my students indeed. He said, now students, keep reading the textbook. He said, the word that you know, not the word that I know, not the word that Pastor Dave knows, but the word you know, that's the word that will make you free. And so in other words, I want to put it this way. I know that I hear different people on news shows and things like that say, well, we got to tell the truth. The truth will make them free. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus did not say the truth will make you free. He said, if you continue my word, then you know the truth. See the difference? Politicians and secular people will tell you facts. And Jesus did not say the facts will make you free. The facts only make you depressed. (laughs) The facts will give you fear. But Jesus said, if you continue in my word. And then he said, John 17, 17, my word is truth. And so the truth of the word of God is a spiritual law. That will change things that happen in this temporal world that's controlled by the law of sin and death, according to Romans chapter 8. We're free from the law of sin and death. Amen. We have a higher law operated in our lives where we know how to apply. It's called the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1, 2, and down through there talks all about that spiritual law. And so tonight I want to talk just for a minute. This is all fresh coming out. Don't have the notes on it. Don't have the notes coming out. I just want to share a little bit how this has worked in my life. And it got it, this this whole thing got pride in my pump when I walked through the door. And so my notes that I have went out the window that I dropped down this afternoon. Because with Jesse, I saw Jesse, something got pride in my pump that I saw in this to be able to tell you about. And so I want you to just get this, get what I'm saying. Because if you believe in what I've got for you as a man of God, take to heart what I'm telling you right now. If there's things that have a stronghold in your life right now, whether it's a sickness, a disease, an addiction, whatever it is, Jesus said that if you continue in my word, you're going to know the truth about that. And he said, the truth that you know, or the word that you know, said that's the truth that will make you free. How many know the whole Bible's truth? It's all God's word. Well, guess what? I don't know all the Bible. But I do know parts of the Bible, and the parts that I know is the parts that I've learned over 37 years that have freed me from Satan's strongholds, have got things off of me. That's the parts I want to know, and I want to keep on learning because I want to keep on helping people. So I'm telling you, for you, you've got to find those things that you know and you've got to release, and we're going to talk about that, you've got to release your faith in those things in your situation to see yourself free. I came in the kingdom back in 1980 with a very, very, very strong 
healing things going on in my realm of influence. And so I've always pretty much from the word go, I've had a healing ministry. I mean, from the time that, see, you know, Pastor Dave talked about and uh, Pastor Tory talked about last week. God said, I knew you before you were even in your mother's womb. He said, I knew you when I formed you in your mother's womb. And then Paul said that God called me from my mother's womb. Well, my mother wasn't a Christian. And so I was born in a non-Christian home. What difference does that make to God if he knew me in the womb there and he saw a preacher in me when I was in there? Then when I finally got smart enough to get born again because the devil didn't kill me, although he tried a few times, didn't kill me before I got saved. As soon as I'm saved, man, my life slid up. And I know I'm a preacher, man. Truck driver, goodbye truck driver. I'm a preacher because it's in there. God put it in there. And so from the time I got born again, filled the Holy Ghost, I've laid hands on people. I've seen miracles, signs, and wonders. always preached healing things really strong, healing in faith. And those things has happened. And so I've learned the truth about healing from God's Word. I know multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of passages and scriptures. I preach, teach, sleep, breathe, eat, drink. Everything I do centers around healing in my life from the Word of God. I know the truth about healing. Well, over the years, Satan, as a truck driver, especially a couple times I've been a preacher, attacked my back with serious, serious, serious stuff where I was actually paralyzed for days and couldn't move. Sometimes it was so bad that I would have to have Mrs. Pastor do nothing when he couldn't touch me to help me. I'd have to in the bed slowly, inch by inch at a time, get to where I get to the edge of the bed and be able just to make myself fall off the bed, get on my knees, take a long time to get up, roll around very, very, very messed up and bad. And the devil's tried that on me three or four times since I've been a Christian. And I remember one time in particular, I was thinking about this for Jesse tonight, and when I tell things like this, don't anybody ever go and do what I did unless you know what I knew. You don't do something because a preacher said, he did it. You ought to do it too. Jesus said over and over and over again to the people he ministered to, according to your faith, be it done unto you. He said, as you believe, so be it done unto you. And so I was talking about Jesse a while ago. He got that little thing on there, had that sling off. Come out there if I had a sling. I said, well, Jesse, according to your faith, be it done unto you. I just said that. I said that in edified in faith and meant what I said. According to your faith, I told Jesse, I said, Jesse, I said, I said, I said, I said, if that's in your heart, take that off. That's what you do. But it's according to your faith. You don't do it because somebody else said do it. You do it because it's in your heart to do it. And so I'm never going <clears> to <throat> shortchange somebody on acting on their faith and tell them they're stupid or foolish or something like that because I'm getting ready to tell you about one testimony one time my back got hit. And then just another sidebar. We do the county sheriff of Spencer County, Indiana. He got born again, good Christian friend of ours. <laughs> This is back to the charismatic move when lots of things were happening, a lot of it good, a lot of it stupid. And so he was at a mass meeting one time, had the evangelist in there. And the evangelist said, all you people wear glasses. If you think you're healed, take them off and stump them. He thought, well, he said, I'm healed. The preacher did. God did say it to his heart for the word of God. He said, I'm healed. So he took his glass off and stumped him, and he was the sheriff. And he told us this story after the fact years later. How many years did he go for? He finally got, like, I mean, like five or six years. He's the county sheriff. He said after like five or six years, he said, man, I can't keep going like this. I've got to get some glasses. <laughs> I did anything. So he went and bought some glasses, 
And he thought about, boy, how stupid I was. Somebody told me to stop my glasses. I did it because they did. And you're just like Peter. Jesus told Peter to walk on water. You know, if Jesus tells you to stop your glasses, you stop your glasses. You better know it's Jesus. Amen. So anyway, back back in the, this is about 1990 before I went to full-time preaching. I just got this really, really, really good teamster's job. And we had, we had, we had like a, a 30-day probation period before he's really actually a bona fide employee, but they couldn't let you go. And so, man, I just got my 30 days in, just got this job. I was working on the dock because you have to start off on the dock before you get to drive the semis. Of course, I've been a semi driver at that point in time for, man, 25 years. So, I mean, what that part, but I was new on the plate, on the job there. And so I was on the, I had to work the dock. It was a great big truck dock, had like probably 100 guys on it at the time working. And so we had bad dozens of forklifts and all kinds of stuff. And so right after I got to that job there, got my probation done, and like like a couple of days later, my back got hit. And you have to be on the job for a while before you get sick days. I didn't even have any sick days. Didn't have any vacation days. I had nothing. And I had a bunch of kids. How many know that in my family uh, numbers run big for you know we got to Genesis chapter one, verse twenty six, as baby Christ, you said be fruitful, multiply, and I stopped there for a while until we had eight kids. Then I thought, well, I better get out of just the 126, man. Somebody has to feed these kids. <laughs> so that's kind of a joke. Anyway, it's almost true. <laughs> we had the kids. So I had a lot of mouths to feed, and I got the job, but I couldn't go to work. I was paralyzed in my bed. I couldn't move. And so, you know, doing all I know to do, and man, couldn't get any results coming. And I just lay there paralyzed. One week went by. I thought, oh, man, that's a week, no paycheck. So finally, sometime during the second week, I can't remember exactly the dates now, but probably like the Wednesday or Thursday, the second week, I thought, man, it's been another week, no paycheck. And so I, I, I told her, I said, hey, i got to go to work today. And so, I mean, I wrestled, did everything I could, man, made myself get in the car and sit down, and I get to the job and get in there, you know, like that, get up there. But I know the truth of God's Word. Mark chapter 16 Verse 17, 18 says, lay hands sick, they shall recover. I know that the truth is, Matthew 8, 17, Jesus took my infirmities and bare my sicknesses. I know 1 Peter 2, 24, that by Jesus' stripes, I was healed. I know Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. I know Exodus 15, 26, 23, 25. I can give you a multitude of scriptures. I know those things. Preach those things. Live those things. And so I knew, I knew that Satan was the one that put that back stuff on me. I knew where it came from. So I got the job there at 3.30 in the afternoon when the boss had had the job what to do to unload trucks and things like that. He knew I'd been hurting. And he said, Bernie, said, I'm going to let you ride the forklift tonight. He said, you ought to be able to just stay in the seat there. You want to do anything. You just, you know, run the levers to drive around. I said, no, Donnie. I said, I want the load of steel. I thought, Satan, you're a liar. And you're the father of lies. You're not doing this to me. He looked at me and said, what? He said, I saw you come up. You can't hardly move. And I said, in Jesus' name, I am healed. And so we got this one thing in this country. They made long, big pieces of steel trim in these brown boxes about that big square and weighed two or three hundred pounds a piece and about 20 foot long, about half as long as a semi in there like that. So we have to get them and put them on carts and take them from one truck to another. I said, give me that one. And so I got down there to the truck like that. And I'll tell you what, by the time I got that first box, Jesus showed up. 
Ed Hillen showed up. And that stupid stuff was out of there. Amen. And I did that. I did that because I knew the truth. I knew that was the lying devil trying to steal my income from my family, trying to steal my health and mock my God. And so I did what I knew to do. And so what am I saying? I'm saying that this is very real what we're in. Whatever you're looking at in life today, when you know the truth, and you continue in the truth, that's the word we're talking about. But I want to remind you again what Jesus said. said, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing. I like something Dr. Barclay pointed out about that Romans chapter 10 uh, a few years ago. I never had caught to. He said it. That context there is talking about sitting in a church service and preacher preaching to you. Because then as soon as it says that, it says, how beautiful are the feet of them that are sent to preach good tidings. So that doesn't just mean read your Bible at home. That means you need to sit in some service where there's anointing too. Yes, we get faith. Our faith built up to study the Bible at home. But that context there is talking about a preacher that's called of God to preach the word of God to you, to preach that word into your life and get a hold of it. So that truth made me free. I want to, I want to look at a verse. I want you to look at Philemon. That's one chapter right before the book of Hebrews. Philemon, I want to look at verse 6. And I want to show you how to get this truth activated in your life. And you know, that, 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 that testimony I gave you, I, I give you lots of testimonies in my life like that too. And so I just want to say this again. If you've got a serious treatment on you right now of cancer or something bad, do not tomorrow call and cancel your chemotherapy or your radiation. Don't throw your pills down the drain. Don't cancel your doctor's appointments. You go to your doctor, you go to your treatments, you do what you're supposed to do, and the thing I have to back thing, that wasn't going to kill me. I mean, it was bad, but it wasn't going to kill me. And so the only one affected by that was me and my family. And so when I did that, what's the worst thing could have happened? I had no ifs in me about it. I knew that I was going to go to my job. The devil had to get off me. I knew that because I knew the truth. What's the worst thing going to happen? I'd go get out of that trailer, stumble, fall down, couldn't do anything. They'd pick me up and haul me out of there. But I knew, to me, it was like Peter walking on the water. I knew when I get out of this boat and take that step, I'm not going to sink. I'm walking. And it was, I mean, it's just as real to me as two plus two is four. Three times three is nine. They have the sick, they shall recover. I've recovered, I'm working. And so I acted on it. So I just want to remind you, don't you go do something foolish or presuming. If God ever speaks to your heart because you know that word's in you, you do it. And by the way, don't let somebody prophesy to you to do something to us beyond your level of faith. Amen. If it's already in your heart and you know you're getting ready to do it, somebody says something, you confirms it, that's okay. But don't tell somebody to tell you to quit your job because God's going to bless you with better. You work your job. You go into your job. You need your job. If God's going to bless you with another job, God will give you the job, but don't ever quit a job because somebody tells you you're supposed to quit that job. Amen. Let's put it this way. If they tell you you're supposed to quit that job, look them in the eye and say, will you support me if the next one don't show up? 
Amen. Philemon 1, or Philemon 6, he says this, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual. Well, just because you've got faith doesn't mean it's effective. He says, for it to become effective, you've got to acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. You've got to start acknowledging. And if you acknowledge something, that means you talk about it. You've got to start talking about 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If you want to be effective, you've got to talk about it. You've got to start talking Philippians 4, 13. I can. I like to say it this way. I always say, I can and I will do all things through Christ with strength of me. I mean, I kind of amplified it for me. That's my confession. Philippians 4.13, I acknowledge, I acknowledge something good's in me. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. I'm a thousand times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. God told me one time, he said, you see yourself as a little drip or a drop. This is what he told me personally. He said, you're not a drip or a drop, you're a Niagara Falls. And that meant something to me because we just got back from Niagara Falls and I saw Niagara Falls. God said, God told me, matter of fact, at Dr. Barclay's conference at the time, God talked to me at the altar, Dr. Barclay's. He said, quit trash talking yourself. Well, I guess I started putting doubt on myself again. If you want God to do great things through you, you got to quit looking at you. you got to look at who you are on the inside now. Amen. He said, for your faith to be effective, you've got to know and acknowledge every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. I like what Leanne said a while ago. What she said a while ago, I know she walks in. But this is what I saw 30-some years ago, and I've always seen it. That's why blind people have always got healed. That's why crippled people have got legs grown out, things like that. I've never seen myself laying hands on somebody. I've always seen myself laying hands on Jesus' hand that was there first. Because Jesus said, in my name, you lay hands on him. Because I know that I couldn't get anybody healed. But I know that the greater one in me, when I lay hands on somebody in his name, it's his hand first. When I touch his hand, his hand's touching them. He couldn't do it without me. Because he said we're partners together in ministry. He needs me. He didn't say, you pray for him. He said, you lay hands on him, I'll do the healing. He said, you anoint him with all the name of the Lord. Well, if you anoint somebody with the name of the Lord, what are you doing? You lay hands on him. There's oil there, you're anointing them. And when you do that in the name of the Lord, Jesus is the one doing the healing. I've always seen myself laying hands on Jesus' head to get people healed. See, what am I doing? I'm acknowledging something. I'm acknowledging a good thing that's in me in Christ Jesus. A good thing that's in me is called the anointing of God. A good thing that's in me is called the gifts of the Spirit. A good thing that's in me is called Jesus. And so when I see that and I talk about that, things happen. Another truck story? Another truck story? Okay, give me another truck story. Uh, this one, this one of my favorites. This is really a good one. Have you ever heard of RCA, the big record company? Well, the, their headquarters was in Indianapolis, Indiana. They were founded. RCA was one of the biggest employers in Indianapolis at one time and Bloomington, Indiana. But anyway, the place that uh, used to make TV sets before they went to Mexico years ago started making these new things called eight track tapes. Of course, they're not new things now, but they were new back then. Remember when they invented them? But anyway, the eight-track, uh, the eight-track tape factory was one of my customers. So I was in there one day, and back in there for big semi trailer, I had eight tracks and things like that, and they was giving me eight tracks, they was giving, etc. 
And there's this woman about 25 years old that was the one that was doing my business. You know, she'd bring a skid in there. We'd do stuff like that. And then she'd come in and out forklift and stuff. And all the time I'm talking to her, she's scratching all over me. And just, just constantly scratching, scratching, scratching. And so, of course, uh, I got my antenna up like we're all talking about. We've all open and ready and looking for that opening to be able to talk Jesus. The girl scratches, scratches, scratching. And so we're off looking at this kid counting boxes. She's scratching like that. I start talking to her. And I said, I said, man, I said, how come you're not scratching? What's going on? You got poison ivy or something? And, well, the desert, we don't know what that is, but out there it's a big thing. It's a bad, it's a bad weed. And it really hurts you. And so she said, no, I've got something. Name me some big long words. You know, I was born with this and I've scratched every day of my life. You know, it's, it's something I got like that. And boy, I tell you what, on the inside, I start jumping up and down. Because I'm thinking, glory to God. Oh, boy, thank you, Jesus. You're going to show yourself strong. You know, when I'm around things like that, that makes me excited because I know Jesus wants them healed. And he wants them set free. And I know I'm not any place by chance or accident. Like somebody said a while ago, at the right place, Austin said, at the right place at the right time. And so I thought, glory to God. I prayed today for divine appointments. I prayed today that people cross my path I can minister to for Jesus, get him healed and get him saved. And so anyway, the girl tells me that stuff. And so I said, can I pray for you? Long story short, I got her hand, I held her hand, and I broke the power of that demon spirit off of her. I released the anointing of God. And so they were standing there talking, and I noticed for about five minutes she hadn't scratched. They were standing there talking. And I said, have you noticed you're not scratching anymore? She goes, I'm not. I'm not. And so then, so then she tells me that her dad's a preacher. That's a denominational church that doesn't believe in healing or Holy Ghost, everything like that. And I, so I told, I told, I said, Lord, I'm looking on the inside of me. I'm praying on the inside, you know. I said, Lord, I said, we want to get it filled with the Spirit. What do you want to do next? He said, no, don't do anything else. And I wanted to take that back to her dad. And so, you know, what am I saying? I'm saying that Jesus in us is greater than what's all these people around us. And healing is so exciting to me. I remember when I was a baby pastor, we'd already been in the healing ministry for years, but we finally got to be full-time pastors. I remember had advances in their ministry, and he said that really helped me. And, you know, I guess it was a problem I had with me that I had to see. But he made this statement when he preached at my church. He said this, and for people in the healing ministry, it was for me because I loved it. I loved getting people healed. He said, you've got to know something. Jesus is not healing those people to give you a big name. Jesus is healing those people because he loves them. He's just using you. That got rid of the pride off of me that I had. I didn't know I had it until I heard him say that. And then God spoke to me, and I've always approached it that way. This is the early 90s. I've always approached it that way since then, that when I see sick people, I definitely see it as an opportunity to help them. But I see that I'm there as an answer to Jesus sending me there to get that off those people. Jesus does not want babies sick. Jesus doesn't want old people sick. Jesus doesn't want sinners sick. It doesn't make any difference. Something I learned years ago, and you know, Leanne was so good a while ago. I'll tell you what, I hope you listen to Leanne. She preached to you. She preached to me. It was so good as this. I've learned this. Jesus does not care how gross of a sinner they are or what they did to bring that on themselves. He wants to show his goodness to them and get it off of them so they'll see him. 
Matter of fact, Paul said it this way in Romans. He said it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. And then Paul also said in Romans, he said, where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. And so we as Christians sometimes, especially when we see somebody in our own family, somebody that we've known and they've rejected, 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 and then some horrible thing gets on him, then it's so easy to think, well, they brought that on. Well, duh, yeah, they did. But Jesus wants you to get it off of them so they can come to him. And so we need to get that mentality off of us that they deserve it and get the mentality on us that yes, but Jesus wants to get it off of them so they'll serve him and come to him. Do you see what I'm saying? And so I praise God for all those opportunities I had when I was out there in that sinful truck driving world around Indianapolis to be able to go to all those people that didn't know what I knew so I could show them the one that I loved that changed my life around. You know, I think about the times that I mean, I could have been dead. 16 years old, pronounced dead at the scene of a drunken car crash, and I was the drunk. Police said I was dead. Called for the coroner. But praise God for a Baptist grandma. Praise God for a Baptist grandma that knew Jesus and prayed. And they called the, they called the meat wagon, called the meat wagon off and called an ambulance in. So I wake out in the criminal ward. That Wishard Hospital in Indianapolis chained to a thing with a doctor sitting on my chest, sewing my face back up. Praise God for the Baptist gravel. I could have been dead at that time. Or how about this? 19 years old, had appendix rupture. Had the doctor tell my mom and my wife less than a 50-50 chance to make it because he got gangrene on the inside. Praise God for the Baptist grandma that prayed me out of that and got me through that. And so, yes... Yes, yes, yes. I have compassion on people that have made their life a mess because I know that Jesus doesn't want them to stay in that mess. He wants them out. Amen. Is this helping anybody? Amen. Amen. And so we're preaching this, but the thing is, I want to look at one more passage here, I think, to help us from what we're looking at in Philemon 6. He said, your faith to be effective, you've got to communicate it. And what he's talking about that more than anything is not you preach it to other people, but preach it to yourself. You've got to build yourself up what you've got awake, church. What you've got, you're a sleeping giant. I want you to look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And I believe by the Spirit of God that there's somebody, at least one somebody in here, when I share these couple verses I'm going to share, there's at least one somebody in here that you're going to know the truth now. You're going to get free right now when I share this. Jesus said, when you know the word, you know the truth. And the truth, you know, the word, you know, that's the truth that makes you free. And there's somebody in here, I know at least one, that's got something seriously bad on them. I don't know, you know, what it is, but I don't know where it came from. I don't know where the answer is. That's Colossians chapter 1. I'm not going to start at verse 9. I'm just going to read the verse I want to get to. But this is a prayer that Paul prayed that we could be praying for ourselves and for fellow believers. It's a prayer. But I want you to get down then to verse 13 and verse 14. As talking about us as Christians, 
And this is a good thing that Christ did in us that we're supposed to be confessed and holding on to. It says this, who has, it says hath, but that's has, has delivered us from the power or the authority of darkness. Jesus has already delivered us from the authority of darkness. Has translated us or transferred us to the kingdom of His dear Son. We don't belong to the devil anymore. We belong to God and to Jesus. He says we have been delivered already from Satan's authority. In whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness or remission of sins. Our sins have been wiped out. They're gone. Our nature we had is gone. But what I want you to see is this. And this was part of why I got healed that day in that truck dock when I went over there. I saw myself wasn't going to get healed. I have been healed. I have already been delivered from the authority of darkness. I've been delivered. There's too many Christians that are going to get healed someday. Too many Christians will get delivered someday. Too many Christians are going to get that job someday. Too many Christians are going to get prospered someday. Go get healed someday. Now, I want you to look at that verse again. You've got to get this. This is the truth going to make somebody free tonight. Look at it. Look at it your eyes. Who has delivered us. Has. I, did. I wasn't smart in school, but I know a little bit about English. Is has past tense, present tense, or future tense? Past tense. So why are you looking to get delivered if he's already delivered you? Why are you looking to get healed if he's already healed you? He has delivered you from the authority of darkness. I want to give you a fill in the blank. This is your own fill in the blank. How many know that John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Whatever you've got on you right now, if you're addicted to pornography, that's from the thief got that addiction on you. As a Christian man, you don't need that addiction. That's not you. That's from the devil. It's the authority of darkness. He has delivered you from that. You don't have to go through the nine step. You go through the one step. You plead the blood of Jesus. Thank you. You're delivered. Amen. He says we have redemption through His blood. See that? You're delivered through His blood. You fill in the blank. I have been delivered from cancer. I have been delivered from pornography. I have been delivered from poverty. I have been delivered from depression. I have been delivered from whatever it is Satan has on you. You fill in the blank. And then Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus told the main key of faith they use it. He said, Whoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. He shall have whatsoever he saith. That day, I went to that truck dock. I knew I was delivered from the authority of darkness. I knew there was no reason my back should be messed up. I didn't do anything to hurt it. I knew that was an attack of the devil on my back to steal my income. I knew I was a tithing Christian. I was a faithful Christian. I knew it was God's will for me to work take care of my family because he said if a man don't work, he shouldn't eat. So I knew what God's will was. As I went to that job, 
and I have whatsoever I saith. I said, Satan, I resist you in Jesus' name. I'm not going to get healed. I am healed. Amen. I went in there and said, give me the easy job because I'm sick. Guess what I'm confessing? Amen. I want to say this one more time, though. You act on your faith, not my faith. You act on your faith. If that's not real to you, you don't ever, ever, ever do something not really. It's got to be real to you. But to me, I knew I was delivered from the authority of darkness. And so I wasn't looking to be delivered. He says, I am delivered. And so the truth is, the Word of God says, Colossians 1.13, Jesus said, my word is truth. The truth is, I've already been delivered. Amen. And so that truth that I know, he said, the truth will make you free. I knew the truth. The truth is, I'm delivered. So I went and I did my business, and guess what? Delivery showed up. I was healed. And so, since none of this was planned out, what I've said, just all this stuff just randomly coming out, as the Holy Spirit gave me the unction, I know by the Spirit of God, there's at least one, maybe more people in here, and I'm not going to call you out or that kind of stuff, but I just want to tell you this. You quit confessing that I'm going to get delivered from cigarettes. You start confessing I am delivered. You quit confessing I'm going to get delivered from those prescription drugs. You start confessing, I am delivered from those drugs. You quit confessing, I'm going to get delivered from pornography. You are delivered from pornography. Amen. Well, what happens if you fall for the cigarette again? What happens if you fall for the porn? What happens if you fall for whatever's had a hold on you? Just quickly, you just open your mouth when you fall and say, Oh, Jesus, forgive me. I want to thank you. You've delivered me. Satan, get out of here. I rebuke you by the blood of Jesus. Get off me. Get out of here. I've been delivered from you. I don't belong to you. I belong to Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over myself. Father, I want to thank you in Jesus' name. You said I am delivered. Lord, I'm never going to ask you to deliver me again. Your word says, in Colossians 1.13, I have been delivered. So Lord, all I'm going to do, no matter how much the craving hits, no matter how strong it is on me, Lord, I'm just going to, the longest day I live, I'm going to raise my hand, I'm going to praise you, thank you that your word's the truth. And you said I'm delivered, so I am delivered. What have you fall for it again? Repent. Jump up. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for your deliverance. Jesus said, the truth that you know, that's the truth that will make you free. And what I found out of my life over and over and over again, when I've acted on that truth of my deliverance, all of a sudden, I realized whatever it was had a hold on me. I looked back and said, wow, I haven't felt for that for two months. Wow, when's the last time that happened? I don't remember. I don't, I haven't, it hadn't happened for a long time. It's gone. You know why that is? Because when the Word of God gets in your heart and becomes one with your spirit, then that's called revelation knowledge. And that revelation knowledge is what Jesus talked about, the truth you know. It's your knowledge. You know it now. It's been revealed to you. Revelation means revealed. It's been revealed to you. And so that's how this whole process works. You begin to confess what the Word of God says. Philemon 6 says you confess every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. You do that. I'll tell you what, we're going to have testimonies next week. Somebody's going to tell us next week something awful that happened to them. And next week they're going to tell us, going to tell us, going to tell us. Why is that? Because Jesus said, if you look a little farther down, John chapter 8 said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen. Let's stand up.
Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.